Welcome to the BP presentation to the financial community, webcast and conference call. I now hand over to Jessica Mitchell, Head of Investor Relations. Hello and welcome. This is BP's second quarter 2015 results webcast and conference call. I'm Jess Mitchell, BP's Head of Investor Relations, and I'm here with our Group Chief Executive, Bob Dudley, and our Chief Financial Officer, Brian Gilvary. Before we start, I need to draw your attention to our cautionary statement. During today's presentation, we will make forward-looking statements that refer to our estimates, plans, and expectations. Actual results and outcomes could differ materially due to factors we note on this slide and in our UK and SEC filings. Please refer to our annual report, stock exchange announcement, and SEC filings for more details. These documents are available on our website. Thank you, and now over to Bob. Thanks, Jess, and hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It has been a very important quarter for BP. We reached agreements in principle in the United States to resolve the largest remaining liabilities in relation to the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. This has been recognized as a landmark step forward by all parties and leaves us all able to chart a much clearer course for the future. The second quarter environment has also continued to test us. As you've seen, our upstream earnings for the second quarter remained under pressure, reflecting continued oil price weakness and the large maintenance program we have underway this summer. The result also includes some large non-cash write-offs. At the same time, there is clear evidence of the underlying strength and resilience of our businesses. Our downstream continues to perform strongly, and there are clear signs of efficiencies, sustainable efficiencies and cost reductions right across the group. Underlying cash flow for the quarter also improved. So I will start with an overview, including our thoughts on the future. In a moment, Bryant will go through the results in detail. Then I want to come back and give you an update on our interest in Russia and take a brief look at progress in our businesses. After summarizing, there'll be time for Q&A. I'd like to start with a reminder of the near-term priorities we laid out in February. As you know, we have held the view for some time that oil prices will be lower for longer. But whatever the oil price charts look like, we are clear on what we need to do. To describe this simply, we focus on the four Ds of delivery, divestments, discipline, and the dividend. On delivery, we've had a strong first half of the year. Group safety performance has improved across a number of metrics compared with 2014. In the upstream, we have started up two new projects this quarter, both in Angola, while making strong progress on the milestones that support our next wave of startups. We've also completed six turnarounds as part of our major program for the year. And in the downstream, as you've seen, the business continues to perform strongly. We are seeing continued safe, reliable, and efficient execution right across the group, downstream and upstream, which is maintaining operational momentum at the same time as we reset for the new environment. Turning to our divestments, we continue to strike agreements toward our $10 billion program, with $7.4 billion agreed to date. The total since 2010 is now roughly $45 billion, not including the TNKBP divestment of $26 billion. On discipline, our work to reset capital and cash costs is now moving fast, and I will show you in a moment. 
This all works towards our focus on rebalancing our financial framework to manage through a period of low oil prices while sustaining our dividend as the first priority within that framework. We are confident these remain the right priorities for the near term. Now turning to our ongoing work to reset capital and cost across the group. We now expect our organic capital expenditure to be below $20 billion for 2015, compared to our guidance back in a $100 world of $24 to $26 billion. This is being achieved for this year largely through rephasing and paring back of marginal activity. But we are also seeing benefits from deflation. Industry commentary suggests offshore costs are reducing rapidly, and this is consistent with what we are seeing in our supply chain. This gives us confidence in sustaining a lower level of capital spend over the medium term while maintaining the same growth aspirations. We are also starting to see results from the many programs we have in place to reset our controllable cash cost base. We are realizing benefits from the investments we've made over the past few years in improving reliability and the simplification that followed the reshaping of our portfolio. As well, our intensified efforts to reset costs in response to the environment is gaining momentum. Total group cash costs year-to-date are around $1.7 billion lower than the same period last year. This is despite the inclusion of around $400 million of rig cancellation costs taken as an operating item. This is an encouraging early indicator of progress, especially given there is usually a lag before cost reductions fully reflect in results. What we are seeing is an organization that is adapting rapidly to a new environment by adopting a more cost-conscious business model. And we will continue to identify more opportunities for simplification and efficiency. Non-operating restructuring charges are currently expected to be closer to $1.5 billion by the end of 2015 relative to the $1 billion we announced back in December and reflects the faster pace. So we are in action on all fronts related to cost. We are optimizing the scope of our activity, leveraging deflation in the supply chain, and changing how we manage our own internal cost, including extensive simplification of our organizational structures in every part of the business. We have, by necessity, become too complicated. We believe the benefits from the changes we're making are largely structural and will be sustainable over the long term. Let me turn now to a brief look at the longer term. Back in February, we said that we anticipated a reset phase lasting around two years, during which our aim is to rebalance the group's sources and uses of cash to underpin our dividend. So our work on costs is a strong focus right now, but we are mindful to achieve this without compromising our longer-term goals. This involves testing and getting even clearer on the fundamental drivers of our business model in the new environment. We are taking the time and, importantly, the opportunity to understand what deflation can deliver and how our portfolio might respond in a range of price scenarios. What I can tell you now is that we have some strongly held principles that will not change. Our focus on value over volume will remain. It is central to our strategy and a guiding principle in any price environment. In practice, it means we constantly look to create value by optimizing and high-grading our portfolio, whether through divestments, farming out early life assets, selective acquisition, or simply finding smarter ways to work our portfolio harder, as with the U.S. Lower 48. 
Our commitment to capital discipline is also unchanged. As already noted in the upstream, we expect to see an impact from deflation resulting in a structurally lower level of capital spend for a given level of activity over time. Our aim remains to define a disciplined level of capital spend to grow our portfolio in terms of both operating cash flow and production. To be clear, our strategy still aims to grow production while seeing growth and operating cash flow as a better measure of value. It has become a lot harder to plan activity in the current environment, but we remain focused on three areas. First, it's about sustaining activity in our pipeline of core projects, ensuring every dollar of capital is optimally invested and leverages any deflationary opportunity. We believe that the strong pipeline of projects and appraisal options we showed you at our upstream day in December, extending well beyond 2020, are of sufficient quantity and quality to be a key driver of growth. As a reminder, over half of our production from new major projects to 2020 is already under construction, and these projects remain on track. Second, we see management of our base oil and gas production as a significant lever. We continue to make excellent progress. Our producing assets are becoming safer and more reliable. We are improving operating efficiency and working to maximize recovery from our reservoirs. This is enabling us to maintain historical levels of decline within the boundaries of a lower capital budget. And third, we are constantly looking for new high-value options to add to our portfolio near term. This can come, for example, through inorganic deepening in strategic areas or through a shift in exploration to more near-field, high-value prospects allowing faster pull-through. In the downstream, we expect continued strong performance from a combination of our advantaged assets and our growth and efficiency programs. Group-wide, we believe that our balanced, high-quality portfolio and our ongoing focus on capital and cost discipline gives us a strong platform from which to define a model to grow shareholder value. This all works towards a final fundamental principle, that of returning value to shareholders through distributions over the longer term. We will, of course, share more detail with you as the environment firms and our plans take stronger shape. The key point for today is that we have made a head start on resetting our capital and cost and believe we are well positioned for the challenges ahead. I'll now hand over to Brian to take you through the quarter. Thanks, Bob, and hello, everyone. Starting with the environment, Brent oil averaged $62 per barrel in the second quarter, up from $54 per barrel in the first quarter, but still significantly below the average of $110 per barrel in the same period last year. Oil prices have fallen back again over the last few weeks in response to persistent weakness in market fundamentals. Although demand has been stronger, OPEC production is running higher than the 2014 average and production in the United States has remained resilient. The recent agreement to lift certain Iranian sanctions has also raised the prospect of additional production coming onto the market. Henry Hub gas prices averaged $2.65 per million British thermal units in the second quarter over 40% lower than the same period in 2014 and slightly lower than the first quarter average. Continued strong growth in gas production has left the market oversupplied 
pushing gas prices down to levels that compete with coal for power generation. Our global refining marker margin averaged $19.40 per barrel in the second quarter, the highest level since the third quarter of 2012. Margins have been supported by strong gasoline demand, tight supplies on the US West Coast and low product stocks outside of the United States. At the same time, US-Canadian crude differentials were at their narrowest since the second quarter of 2009. We expect oil prices to remain soft over the short to medium term, while we expect refining margins to respond to changes in regional supply and demand as we see out the summer driving season in the United States. So, turning to the results... BP's second quarter underlying replacement cost profit was $1.3 billion, down 64% on the same period a year ago and 49% lower than the first quarter of 2015. Compared to a year ago, the result reflects significantly lower upstream realisations, higher expiration write-offs, including additional one-off charges associated with Libya, and a reduced contribution from Rosneft partly offset by a strong downstream performance and lower cash costs across the group. Second quarter operating cash flow was $6.3 billion. And we've taken a further $270 million non-operating restructuring charge in today's results, bringing the cumulative charge to $920 million, against the near $1.5 billion charge we now expect to see before the year end. The second quarter dividend, payable in the third quarter, has been announced as $0.10 per ordinary share. Turning to the highlights at a segment level. In upstream, the underlying second quarter replacement cost profit before interest and tax of $490 million compares with $4.7 billion a year ago and $600 million in the first quarter of 2015. Notably, upstream earnings were impacted by around $600 million in Libya, including expiration write-offs and other costs, primarily due to circumstances in the country. Compared to the second quarter last year, the result reflects significantly lower liquids and gas realisations and higher expiration write-offs, partly offset by lower cash costs including the benefits from simplification and efficiency programmes. Excluding Russia, second quarter reported production versus a year ago was 0.3% higher. After adjusting for entitlement and portfolio impacts, underlying production decreased by 1.7%, mainly due to increased turnaround activity, partly offset by the ramp-up of major projects which started up in 2014. Compared to the first quarter, the result reflects expiration write-offs of $800 million relative to a charge of less than $100 million in the first quarter and the impact of our seasonal turnaround programme, largely offset by higher liquids realisations and the absence of cancellation charges relating to two deep-water rigs. Looking ahead, we expect third quarter reported production to be broadly flat compared to the second quarter, primarily reflecting levels of maintenance activity comparable to the second quarter.
In the downstream, the second quarter underlying replacement cost profit before interest and tax was $1.9 billion, compared with $730 million in the second quarter last year and $2.2 billion in the first quarter. This result contributes to strong first-half earnings delivery for downstream. The fuels business reported an underlying replacement cost profit before interest and tax of $1.4 billion, compared with $520 million in the same quarter last year and $1.8 billion in the first quarter of 2015. Compared to a year ago, this reflects an improved refining environment and production mix partially offset by weaker North American crude differentials, a higher oil supply and trading contribution, returning to average levels for the quarter, and cost benefits from simplification and efficiency programs. Compared to the first quarter, the result reflects a lower oil supply and trading contribution relative to a strong first quarter and higher seasonal turnarounds, partially offset by improved refining margins and fuels marketing volume growth. The lubricants business delivered an underlying replacement cost profit of $400 million in the second quarter, compared with $310 million in the same quarter last year and $350 million in the first quarter of 2015. This strong quarterly performance reflects continued momentum in growth markets, premium brand performance and benefits more simplification and efficiency programs leading to lower costs. These benefits were partially offset by adverse foreign exchange effects. The petrochemicals business reported an underlying replacement cost profit of $80 million in the second quarter. Looking forward to the third quarter, we expect reduced refining margins and lower levels of turnaround activity. Turning to Rosneft. Based on preliminary information, we have recognised $510 million as our estimate of BP's share of Rosneft's underlying net income for the second quarter, compared to around $1 billion a year ago and $180 million in the first quarter. Our estimate of BP's share of Rosneft's production for the first quarter is just over 1 million barrels of oil equivalent per day, an increase of 1.8% compared with a year ago and 1% lower than the previous quarter. Further details will be made available by Rosneft with their results. Earlier in July, we received our share of the Rosneft dividend in respect of 2014, which amounted to $271 million after tax. In other business and corporate, we reported the pre-tax underlying replacement cost charge of $400 million for the second quarter, in line with guidance. The underlying effective tax rate for the second quarter was 35%. Excluding the one-off North Sea deferred tax benefit reported in the first quarter, we continue to expect the full-year effective tax rate to be lower than the full-year 2014 figure of 36%. Turning to the Gulf of Mexico oil spill costs and provisions. As we described on the 2nd of July, BP Exploration and Production reached agreements in principle with the United States government and five Gulf Coast states to settle all federal and state claims arising from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. The agreement with the states also provides for the settlement of claims made by over 400 local government entities.
the settlement provides for total payments of up to $18.7 billion over a period of 18 years. These agreements are subject to finalising definitive agreements, which will include a consent decree with the federal and state governments, all of which will be subject to final court approval. Yesterday, we signed releases from the vast majority of local government entities and will be making the payments required within the next few weeks. Turning to other Gulf of Mexico legal matters, the settlements do not include claims relating to the 2012 class action settlement with the Plaintiff Steering Committee, including business economic loss claims not provisioned for, private claims not included within the class action settlement, or private securities litigation in MDL 2185. The charge taken for the incident for the second quarter was $10.8 billion, which takes the total cumulative pretax charge to $54.6 billion. This reflects around $10 billion associated with the government settlements just mentioned, around $460 million related to business economic loss claims not provided for, adjustments to other provisions, and the ongoing costs of the Gulf Coast Restoration Organization. It is still not possible to reliably estimate the remaining liability for business economic loss claims, and we continue to review this each quarter. The pre-tax cash outflow on costs related to the oil spill for the second quarter was $110 million. This slide compares our sources and uses of cash in the first half of 2015 to the same period a year ago. Operating cash flow in the first half was $8.1 billion, of which $6.3 billion was generated in the second quarter. This compares with $16.1 billion in the first half of 2014 and $7.9 billion in the second quarter of 2014. Excluding all spill-related outgoings, first half underlying cash flow was $8.9 billion. This reflects the impact of lower oil prices on earnings as well as a build of $1.4 billion in working capital in the first half of 2015, which we expect to unwind as the year progresses. Our organic capital expenditure was $8.9 billion in the first half and $4.5 billion in the second quarter. We received investment proceeds of $2.3 billion in the first half of 2015, including $530 million in the second quarter. Now, turning to the financial framework and the approach we laid out to you in February, we now expect organic capital expenditure to be below $20 billion in 2015 and have agreed $7.4 billion of our $10 billion divestment programme. We are taking advantage of sector deflation to continue to optimise our capital costs while actively resetting our cash costs to deliver sustainable efficiency. These changes are largely structural and they support our principal objective of rebalancing sources and uses of cash so that underlying operating cash flow covers capital expenditure and dividends. We are working to re-establish this balance for a sustained weaker environment. And lastly, just a few words on gearing. Our policy since the Deepwater Horizon incident has been to maintain gearing within a band of 10 to 20% while uncertainties remain. At the end of last year, our balance sheet reflected gearing at 16.7%, well within this band against the backdrop of the near $100 per barrel 
average oil price environment in 2014. Gearing at the second quarter stands at 18.8%. This reflects average oil prices of $58 per barrel over the first half of this year and an impact of around 1% due to our recent agreements in principle to settle with the United States government and Gulf states. Once these agreements are finalised, a considerable uncertainty in relation to our financial framework would be removed, placing our gearing band in a much stronger context. Now let me hand you back to Bob. Thanks, Brian. First to recent developments in Russia. In June, Rosneft held their annual general meeting in St. Petersburg. Amongst other matters, shareholders approved the once-a-year dividend payable for 2014, as Brian mentioned, and voted for the new Rosneft board. In addition to my own re-election, we now have a second BP executive on the nine-person board, Guillermo Quintero. Guillermo is currently BP's regional president in Brazil and is a highly experienced oil and gas executive. Beyond our shareholding in Rosneft, we recently signed agreements to purchase a 20% equity share in Rosneft's TAS project. This project is an existing conventional oil field in eastern Siberia, which currently produces around 20,000 barrels of oil per day. The full field development plan for TAS ramps up production to 100,000 barrels a day by the end of the decade, with further potential for gas production. Along with the TAS equity, we also agreed three conventional exploration areas of mutual interest with Rosneft. One in eastern Siberia, located around the TAS interests, in a relatively unexplored region, and two in the already prolific western Siberian hydrocarbon basin. We are pleased with the progress, both through our shareholding and also in partnership with Rosneft. As always, we remain mindful of the geopolitical situation but look forward to continuing to pursue these and other potential future opportunities where not prohibited by sanctions. Turning to the upstream and starting with exploration, we made a high-value discovery with the Atoll well offshore Egypt in the first quarter. In the second quarter, we've had a further gas discovery at the Norus prospect in the Abu Mahdi West lease. We expect production from this well later this year, and we see follow-on opportunities in neighboring BP-operated blocks. In projects, we successfully started up Greater Plutonium Phase 3 in June, our second major project startup in Angola this year. Two further startups are planned for 2015, the Insula Southern Fields Project in Algeria and the Western Flank A Project on the Australian Northwest Shelf. We continue to make progress on a number of projects set to start up over the next few years, including in Oman and Chardonnay's two projects, among others. In our operations, we remain focused on the optimization of our base assets. We have completed six turnarounds this year, with three currently underway and a further six yet to start. We are seeing the results of investment in our producing assets with BP-operated plant reliability up from around 85% in 2011 to 94% in the first half of 2015. Our asset-specific plans in the UK North Sea have helped to improve BP-operated plant reliability from 67% to 82% over the last six quarters. And in our drilling activities, we have decreased non-productive time by over 20% since 2012. 
All of these efforts have allowed us to increase operating efficiency and support underlying production growth while maintaining strict capital discipline. As I highlighted earlier, we are resetting our cost base and capital frame and driving deflation and efficiency into the way we work across the upstream. Since the beginning of the year, we have been working with our suppliers to rebase our cost in some of our biggest areas of upstream spending, and you can see a range of rate reductions we've achieved to date on the chart. We expect the benefits to show up in both capital expenditure and cash costs, and examples include a 33% savings against the subsidy installation budget on one of our Gulf of Mexico expansion projects, Another is negotiating a rate reduction of over 30% for drilling our latest development well on the Mungo asset in the UK North Sea, and around 10% rate reduction from major well service suppliers globally, including a 20% rate reduction on tubulars. We've also delivered additional efficiencies through optimizing activities and processes. For example, an 18% reduction in logistics costs through more efficient use of boats and helicopters in our operated Gulf of Mexico assets, a savings of 19% from optimization of our repair and maintenance program in Angola, and an 8% savings on well placement costs through improved monitoring utilization of components in Trinidad. At the same time, we are right-sizing our organization to reduce costs further. Since 2013, upstream staff headcount is down 8%, while agency headcount is down 37%. Expatriate employee numbers are at their lowest level since 2011. And as we have said before, we are exercising strict capital discipline across the upstream. We are testing the resilience of project economics in a low-price environment and progressing only the highest quality options in the portfolio. We are retaining optionality on remaining resources and recycling projects where we see potential for optimization. On our Mad Dog 2 project in the Gulf of Mexico, standardization, scope optimization, and industry deflation is enabling us to develop around 90% of the resources using half the capital, whilst retaining optionality for future expansion. Our global project team are now driving this agenda systematically across all of our projects worldwide. In the lower 48 of the U.S., we have empowered our new business units to implement their own capital and operating efficiency improvements. We are beginning to see the benefits of these efforts. Operating costs are trending lower, and in our Woodford and Haynesville assets, we have halved the cost of bringing new wells on stream. In the downstream, our strong first-half performance demonstrates clear progress against the strategic goals we outlined in February this year. In fuels, our focus on advantage manufacturing and marketing growth is beginning to deliver additional gross margin benefits with year-on-year pre-tax earnings growth of $2 billion in the first half. We continue to upgrade our portfolio during the quarter, and we ceased refining operations at our Bulwar Island facility in Australia. In addition, we recently announced, together with our partner Rosneft, a planned reorganization of our German refining joint operation, which will further simplify our fuels organization and operations. Our fuels marketing business is also experiencing growth with volumes up by around 2% year-to-date. In lubricants, our sustained focus on growth markets and premium products has contributed to strong, 
first half pre-tax operating profits, over 15% higher than 2014. And in petrochemicals, our new world-scale PTA plant in Zhuhai, China, is now fully commissioned and operational. This plant, with its advanced technology, is expected to operate with industry-leading operating cost efficiency, creating a higher earnings potential business, more resilient to bottom-up cycle conditions. Across the downstream, we are also seeing significant year-on-year benefits from our simplification and efficiency programs. Cash costs were 15% lower at the half-year than the same period in 2014. This year-to-date reduction includes the benefits from a comprehensive simplification and efficiency program comprising some 30 initiatives that are currently underway. In addition to the announced proposal to restructure the German refining joint operation, we have simplified our fuels organization, reducing the number of businesses from nine to three and are also simplifying our lubricants business structure. Together, these changes will eliminate duplication, reduce interfaces, and simplify our route to the market. We're also streamlining our head office functions, eliminating activity which does not directly support our strategy and simplifying the way we operate. These changes have reduced the number of downstream head office functions by over 50%. And in manufacturing, we're delivering efficiencies through the application of technology and implementing plans refinery by refinery to further improve our competitiveness. As well, we are maintaining strict cost discipline in our daily operations, including a focus on third-party cost. Taken together, these programs underpin the accelerated delivery of the $1.6 billion per annum of downstream efficiencies we highlighted in February. So let me leave you with just a few thoughts in summary. It is a challenging time for our industry but I remain confident that moving quickly to simplify and reset the company for a sustained, weaker environment is the right thing to do for all seasons. I believe we've made a good start. We are staying very focused on operational delivery. We're working steadily to complete our planned divestments, and we are resetting capital and cash costs in a way that drives sustainable efficiencies. This supports our efforts to rebalance our sources and uses of cash and ensure we can sustain our dividend. This is the clear priority within our financial framework right now. While the amount is very large, we also recognize that we have found a realistic path to closure on the largest remaining legal exposures in the Gulf of Mexico. Removing this legal overhang and uncertainty allows us to focus on our future. Looking further out, we see the strength of our portfolio and our strong commitment to capital and cost discipline, giving us a strong base from which to define the right model to grow shareholder value in a new environment. And I think on that note, I'd like to thank you for listening.